often, you know, we go along and folks will say things to us as we share with them the gospel. They'll say, well, I don't believe anybody can know. I don't believe anybody can know for sure whether they'd spend eternity in heaven or not. And uh, we can know, can't we? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful thing that you can know that? It does seem almost impossible. It really does seem impossible, doesn't it? But it isn't because we have a book that is supernatural and eternal and it's God's Word. Well, anyway, take your Bible if you would today. Turn over to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40 today. Again, it's our 18th anniversary here. It was 18 years ago on the 13th, I believe, of March, 13th of March, the Community Baptist Temple began. I still remember taking that walk out in the... It wasn't nearly as warm as it is today, but I took that walk outside and it had, it had begun to drizzle. It was probably in the 40s that morning. It was really very early. And I'd taken a walk and I had, had felt like, uh, boy, I'm, uh, today, as of today, I am a pastor. Now, I'd been uh, helping at a church and I'd been doing some youth and music and things. But uh, that day was the first day that I was officially the pastor of a church and uh, hadn't even met one of the members yet, hadn't even preached my first sermon. And as I took a walk down that, that road where we lived at the time, over Channel with Apartments over there by the golf course now, it wasn't there at the time, uh, but uh, I, I still remember, I remember vividly walking down that road. And I thought to myself, I thought that I would have felt like I arrived, you know, but I didn't. All I could do was look up and say, Lord, it's still just me and you. It's just me and you still. When it's all said and done, it doesn't matter what we have around us. If we don't have just me and him, we have nothing. And you know, I, I thought, wow, I'm finally a pastor. I've got our own church. I've got this little track that actually says that I'm the pastor. I've got my picture on it even. I've arrived. But you know what? I realized it's still just me and him. When it's all said and done, that's all that there is. And you know, 18 years later, it's still just me and him. And I know there's a number of other people that have come along and, and there's a number of other people in the services. But when I get out there and I start praying about what God's going to do for Mark O'Donnell, his family, for the ministry, hey, I better have communication with him. I better have a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is all I need. Boy, I need him. And boy, 18 years later, I still need him. I took a drive today. I went up to the senior center this morning early and I sat there in the parking lot. And then I got out of my car since it was so nice and I... Walked around and I reflected and remembered some of those early days and how the first day we opened up that door and we walked in and we had that little table up front, eight-foot table up front, and boy, I set that pulpit that my brother had built me, and uh, there, there we began preaching for the first time on the 13th of March, 1994, and then I took a drive all the way over to the Carousel Dinner Theater. It's our building now, though. It's really not the carousel anymore, even though it says that. I think people identify with it that way. But there we were. I was. And as I drove through the parking lot, and as I went by the building, I looked at that building, and I was overwhelmed to think what God has done in 18 years. To think of what God has done. Today, I want to share with you just a couple of verses. And again, being our 18th anniversary, I want to talk to you about what was most important and basically what still is most important at Community Baptist Temple as we move forward. No doubt about it, we need God and all that. I, I know that. Listen, don't, I'm not going to minimize things. But what I mean by that is we're going to talk today about something that without it, Community Baptist Temple would not be what it is. Without it, Community Baptist Temple would have never begun. Without it, Community Baptist Temple has no future. 
And today, basically, I'm going to talk to you about a very most, a, 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 a most important topic. And I just want to talk to you about prayer a little bit. Just a little bit about prayer. Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Again, we're so glad that you could join us today on this 18th anniversary. Some of you may not even have realized it was going to be the 18th anniversary. There's no, there's no uh, what do you want to call it, uh, streamers up. There's no balloons. You know, uh, it, it just, it is. It's just what it is what it is, 18 years. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. Notice what the Bible says here. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and trust in the Lord. Oh, I like those verses. When Community Baptist Temple began, and the Lord put that church on my heart, that ministry on my mind and my heart, there were two verses that stood out, and we'll note both of them before it's over with. Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3 was one of them. What an amazing couple of verses those are. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, again, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me. Now, that word inclined means having a leaning or a tendency. Disposed to. So the psalmist is basically saying this. He's saying, my heart was toward the Lord and his ear was leaning in my direction. I mean, his ear was leaning in my direction. I mean, can you imagine with me for just a moment the creator of all the universe? I mean, he speaks the universe into existence. He spoke the earth into existence. Literally from nothing, He created matter, and from that matter, He created all things. And He inclined unto me. Think about that. There was a day when Mark O'Donnell, just 30 years of age, or 31, whatever it was, he, 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 I was actually going to turn 31, I was 30. I always like to believe I was 30 because Jesus was 30 when He began His earthly ministry. I actually turned 31 the week after. But anyway, I, 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 remember, I remember thinking, to my, I mean, it was just a young man, just a young man, and when that young preacher boy, that, that young fellow that was starting that ministry, he lifted up his voice to God. The Bible says that he inclined unto me, literally as a young man, God bent his ear over in heaven to listen to my prayer. That's an amazing thing. It's so humbling to think that the God of the universe could care less about what I say, let alone what I think even at times. It's amazing. His ear is still inclined. His ear is still leaning toward those who are leaning toward Him. Are you leaning toward Him today? Because if you are, He's leaning toward you. God's been answering prayer for a long time, hasn't He? That's not something new to the Lord Jesus Christ. God answers prayer all the time. And if I'm confusing you because I'll use the word Jesus Christ and God in the same, uh, uh, same way, it's because they're God. Both. You can't separate them. You know, they're, Jesus is God. You know, that's just the way it is. So every once in a while I get a little mixed up too. Because as far as I'm concerned, the Bible teaches us that those three are one and therefore they're all God. If you tell me Jesus Christ is just a man, then I've got to teach you something from the Word. You can't even be saved unless you know He's God. 
just want to make sure we get that straight. I don't want to confuse anybody. Jesus Christ is God. By the way, he's the creator in Colossians chapter 1 as well. Verse 16. Take a look at that sometime. You'll see that Jesus Christ created. That's an interesting truth. And yet in the beginning, God created, right? So once again, Jesus Christ being proven to be God. Now again, we read another verse that defined our ministry from the beginning. And that verse was Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Well, I'll tell you what, when God answers prayer, people take notice. And God obviously deserves all the attention. And when you start praying for things that give God all the attention, you're going to find that He is very anxious to answer. He's anxious to. The Apostle James, he expresses this truth very clearly as he writes to the tribes that were scattered abroad. He says in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 3, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. See, when the Apostle uh, James, he's saying this. He's saying, the reason why you do not receive what you pray for often or sometimes, is because you're praying with the wrong purpose in mind. You're praying so that you receive and that you can be elevated or lifted up or that your needs can be met. That's not the reason to pray. He's saying the reason we pray is to ultimately elevate God so that when He provides for us and supernaturally intercedes on our behalf, He's the one that's magnified and glorified. Because, see, God deserves all the credit for everything. We deserve none of it at all. And boy, when you start to pray for things that draw attention to God, that lift Him up, that magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be surprised how many answers to prayer you'll begin to receive. It wasn't that... It was a number of years ago now we were in the senior center, of course, and we were in some need of some, some, some computers. And, of course, years ago, computers weren't quite as cheap as they are now. You can get a computer pretty cheap if you just, if you just need a normal computer. Now, if you need something really nice, then it costs a lot of money, obviously. But if you just want something that will work and uh, you can utilize to get on the Internet or whatever you want to do, uh, that, that's not too awfully expensive. Probably for, you know, 600 bucks, you probably buy something pretty decent now. Now, years ago, it wasn't quite like that. And I remember praying, and I went to the Lord, and I said, Now, Lord, listen, I, I want you to give me $1,000. If you'll give me that $1,000, I'll go ahead and use it to buy computers for the church. I'll buy the computer for the church. We need a computer here, Lord. You give me $1,000, and I will give you that 1000 back, and you will use it to buy those computers. And I'm praying for that. It was probably about six to eight weeks later, a gentleman came to me after the service, and he walked up to me and said, I don't know why, but I felt like the Lord was telling me to give you this envelope. Now, you've got to understand something. I prayed. I asked God specifically to give me $100 bills. I said, I want 10 $100 bills in that envelope. Now, at the time, I didn't say envelope. I just said 10 $100 bills. I got the envelope. There it was. And I thought, what is it? He said, I said, What's this? He goes, I felt the Lord wanted me to give this to you. I felt like you needed it. 
I took the envelope. And eventually, after he left, I opened it. <laughs> I was very anxious to find out what it was. I'm waiting for it to be an answer to prayer, you know what I mean? I opened it up, and there I started counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The gentleman told me this. I originally felt like I needed to give you $1,200, but then I felt, then it just seemed to me that I had this thousand. I just took care of it and gave it to you. Can you imagine that? Exactly. I wish I'd have prayed for 12. But anyway. <laughs> $1,000. Even, I mean, even the way I asked for it, $100 bills. Hey, listen, you don't think that fires up a young preacher? You don't think that fires up a young Christian? Man, I was pretty excited about that. I'd watched God work in my own life. I'd seen Him supernaturally intervene in my own finances. I've now watched God supernaturally intervene in the ministry. Man, God was doing something. See, when God's doing something in my life and my ministry, can I be quite frank with you? I'm not really that concerned about what you think about me. I'm really not. If I got His favor, I don't need yours. Yours is, yours is icing on the cake. But I'm going to tell you something. I need His more than I ever need yours. You came to me today and said, Boy, you're doing everything wrong, preacher. I'm going to look around my life and say, God, am I doing everything wrong? And if God don't tell me I'm doing everything wrong and I see His hand of blessing in my life, that's as far as it goes for me. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is with me. And I'm going to tell you something. In your life, you better get a hold of that thing. Because if you can get a hold of God and you get answers from God, and you know God's on your team and He's on your side, you'll be amazed how much confidence you'll have to move forward in your life and relationships. You'll be amazed how the fear will dissipate and how faith will take over. It's amazing. But most of us never live our lives by faith. It's sad, isn't it? God is pleased to answer prayer. I read about a fellow by the name of George Mueller. He always was one of my favorites. He inspired me, if you will. God used this man of God to help me. He was a preacher. He's an evangelist who was known for prayer. In his later years, he was traveling around the world as an evangelist. He was often called or heralded as the man who gets things from God. Mueller started and ran a number of orphanages as well. And from 1848 to 1874, money came in to improve and expand the work, and it increased from 130 orphans to over 2,050. They were on a 13-acre campus. And through all of the growth, through all of the years and all of the toil, Mueller never shared his needs with anybody but God. He never went out asking for money. He never went out telling people, we need this and we need that. And, uh, uh, you know, we're going to have to have help over here and the kids are going hungry and if we don't get some money here. No, he prayed. He begged God. And understand, an orphanage is not the church. It's the church's responsibility to provide for the needs of the church as well. You've got to understand, God uses His people to meet needs. And He uses the needs of the church to help people grow in their own faith by giving. You can't be complete in your life as a believer until you sacrifice yourself for the Lord. And God gives us that wonderful privilege and opportunity to be a part of those things. I know that's not very nice and people don't like it all the time, but it's a reality. 
I've never been hurt by giving. Myself or giving of my finances. I've never been hurt by giving myself or my finances. Never. They've always increased my faith. It's forced me to look to Him more. And that's always a good thing. George Mueller said, I'm never going to share, though, a thing with anybody. And he didn't. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And he asked God to give the money necessary for the work. I read about a morning where the plates, the cups, and the bowls on the table were empty. There was no food in the cupboard. There was no money to buy the food even. The children were standing, waiting for their morning meal. When Mueller come to the kids and he said, Now, children, you know we, gotta be, you know we must be in time for school. Lifting up his hand, he said, Dear Father, we thank Thee for what Thou art going to give us to eat. And right then, there was a knock at the door. That's a coincidence. Now, you call it what you want. I believe it was answer to prayer. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow, I felt that you didn't have the bread for breakfast, uh, that, that you didn't have bread for breakfast, and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread, and I brought it. Mueller thanked the fellow, and no sooner had this happened when there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage, and that he, he, he wanted to know if he could give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon and repair it. I'll tell you what, God does supernatural things. When he's inclined, you'd be amazed. But in order for him to be inclined, we need to be inclined to him. George Mueller once said, It's not enough to begin to pray, nor to pray aright, nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray, but we must patiently, believingly, continue in prayer until we obtain an answer. And further, we have not only to continue in prayer unto the end, but we have also to believe that God does hear us and will answer our prayers. Most frequently, we fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained and is not expecting the, and, and in not expecting the blessing. When George Mueller began his mighty work of prayer, he based his faith on a particular verse in the book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 24, that says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. He goes on to say, at first he had prayed, then he waited for God's answer, and then he would thank God for the answer. But because he, he just continued to read that verse over and over in his mind, and he read those words, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. From that moment on, there came a point where he started to thank God for his answer, even at the time the request was made. And if we'll pray in faith believing, that's how it's supposed to be. Man, thank God already for the answer before it ever comes. Because God is inclined if we're inclining. You know, there's been a number of mighty men, a number of mighty women of prayer and power down through the, the, the years. One of those men was a man by the name of John Knox. He was a leader of the, the uh, uh, Scottish Reformation in the, 19, or excuse me, the 1500s, the mid-1500s. Queen Mary of Scots reported, was reported to have said this, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Can you imagine that? A queen. I fear 
the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. John Knox fearlessly stood for right. And as a result of that, of course, he found himself reproving and rebuking the very queen of Scotland. We're often intimidated and put to fear, aren't we? Let's just be honest. We're afraid. You know, the strongest man in this room, the most brawny, muscular man in this room is often gripped by fear. And go ahead and pretend that we don't. And nothing, I'm afraid of nothing. Nothing at all. Oh, I don't, I doubt that. I doubt that, seriously. I'll guarantee it. Certain things happen. You get a phone call in the middle of the night and you hear weeping on the other end. That'll send fear through your heart. That'll send fear through your heart. Oh, where, where are people that often are afraid today? Fear is not of the Lord, though. I want you to know that. It's of the adversary. In 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. You know, we're without doubt to possess a healthy fear of God. No doubt about that. So we're not talking about that. We're, we're, understandably, we're to possess a dose of rational fear. You know, fear that, that, that says things like, um, well... Um, that fire over there will burn you if you put your hand in it. Or if you fall from that cliff over there, you will die. See, that's a rational fear. But we aren't to live our lives afraid to face the future. We're not to live like that. And we're not to fear the, the future, but we're also not to fear serving the Lord. You know, fear often paralyzes God's people, doesn't it? It just paralyzes them. It's amazing to me uh, how so many find it difficult, even impossible, to commit to God for fear of the possible change it will bring in their life. Well, I don't, I'm afraid of what it will do to my relationships. I'm afraid of what it will do to my life and my schedule. I can't make a commitment to the Lord. They're fearful of the cost of living a separated, sanctified life on behalf of the Master. I mean, many of God's children fear the future and as they view the economy or the, 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 the political climate today. We live in fear. What's going to happen if I lose my job? What's going to happen if this goes down? And, and, and boy, the, the new regime that will come in, if indeed there's a chance for a, of, the, of the changing of the guard here in November, what's going to happen to America? What's going to happen to my life? What's going to happen to my 40K, 401K? What's going to happen to my future? We live in fear. And fear stifles and it even smothers the enlightened heart of the believer. You'll sit in a service like this and the Holy Spirit of God will convict you. You might be lost today and you don't even have a personal relationship with Christ. You know about Him, but you don't know Him. And the Lord will speak to your heart today and something inside the Holy Spirit will move you to be saved or forgiven of your sin. Maybe even to walk an aisle and come forward and let someone open a Bible and show you how to be saved. But instead of obeying the voice of God, fear will smother the Holy Spirit's intention of helping you. Just smother it. Be like a wet blanket thrown on a fire. Boy, when we're prompted to commit our life, our person to the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot let fear, we cannot let fear creep in. And Satan uses that fear 
Boy, he uses fear as a tool, doesn't he? If I said to you today, how many of you have been afraid about something or your future or some situation? I mean, think about how it paralyzes us when we hear the word cancer. You know what I'm talking about. Do you know that there are so many... This is an amazing thing. When I watch Christians, they're, they're, they're amazing to me. I watch men and women of God hear those words and then I see God do something in their life and they, they, they take their fear and instead of focusing on fear... They directed toward faith. It's amazing how they go through those treatments and how they face those difficult times and how God girds them up and strengthens them and helps them to overcome. What do you do without faith, though? When all you hold on to, when the only thing that is dear to you and I is life, and boy, I'll tell you what, we're going to have a hard time finding peace in the midst of that. I mean, if living is all there is in this life, if this is it, then there's no way in the world we're going to find peace whenever our life is at stake. But thank God for the believer, there's more than this life. We don't just live for today. And when we pray and we lift up our petitions to God, we're praying to an eternal God. The God that would not only save our soul, that forgave our sin, that gives us a home in heaven, but the God who will spend the rest of eternity with. We have hope today beyond the grave. Wilbur Chapman, the great preacher, was holding revival in England. He says, quote, the audience was extremely small, results seemed impossible, but I received a note saying that an American missionary was coming to town and was going to pray God's blessing upon our work. He was known as Praying Hyde. Almost instantly, the tide turned. The hall was packed and my first invitation meant 50 men for Jesus Christ. As we were leaving, I said, Mr. Hyde, I want you to pray for me. He came to my room, turned the key in the door, dropped on his knees, waited five minutes without a single syllable coming from his lips. I could hear my own heart thumping and beating. I felt the hot tears running down my face. I knew I was with God. Then with upturned face, down with the tears were streaming, he said, Oh God. Then for five minutes at least, he was still again. And then when he knew he was talking with God, his arm went around my shoulder and there came up from the depth of his heart such petitions for men as I had never heard before. I rose from my knees to know what real prayer was. We believe that prayer is mighty and we believe it as we never did before, Wilbur Chapman said. Boy, I wanted a ministry like that. As a young man just preparing to turn 31, feeling the call of God on my life and a desire to begin a ministry and a work over there in the, the Uniontown, Hartville area, I wanted a ministry where God showed up and where God did something supernatural. I didn't want it to be explained by the hands of men or the might of mankind. I didn't want someone to be able to look and say, it's an intellectual ascent. It's just an ability that was given. No! I want God to get the glory. 
November the 20th, 1995, it was a Monday evening, just a year after we had begun the work, after the church had started, I made this entry in my journal. I drove to the senior center this evening and spent a short time in prayer. I felt compelled to go there and did. I asked God to grow the church to overflowing, not as a result of anything I do but Him. I have, as of tonight, given up trying to build the work for God that have completely turned the job over to Him. I'm confident that God will build His church. I cannot explain my confidence except by saying, I believe my prayer is in His will, and He has given me peace and surety of its fulfillment. I will do my best as never before, but will never be able to say I have done it. God has chosen to use Community Baptist to reach this community for His glory. May I and those that follow be faithful to that end. You know, God has answered that prayer many fold. We grew out of the up downstairs of the senior center and we began using the upstairs as well. In time, we were using tents and buses to hold Sunday school classes. Finally, God gave us a building. We had prayed that God would give us a building, not a good deal. We wanted many to see it and fear and trust in the Lord. I knew a number of people that got good deals, and I said to the Lord, I don't want a good deal. You either give it to us or we'll just stay where we're at. Because I want you to be glorified. It's amazing how God worked that out. Just a few short months I received a call. It's a blessing. God certainly intervened and interceded. Our people were praying. Do you know how tough it is for a pastor to tell a people... Pray that God gives us a building, not a good deal. Because what if He gives you a good deal and you were praying for a building free and debt-free? Debt you put yourself out there. But you know what I did? I put Him out there. That's what I did. And I knew that a building would only glorify Him that way. My prayer wasn't for me. It was for Him. And there was no doubt in our mind that God did it. God answered our prayers and we moved into this present facility in 2000. And God's richly blessed us, obviously, through these years. And since then, we've purchased 4.3 acres of property over there and off of Pawnee. We have our bus garage there. We have a number of buses parked. We also uh, uh, use uh, the property for activities and things like that sporting events. The church continued to grow. It continued to prosper. God continued to bless. We needed further Sunday school space. Our prayers were heard again. The owner of the furniture store over here, Mr. Lydell, he had purchased the house over here for $103,000, hoping to expand his building that direction, 50 feet, putting on a 50 by whatever he could uh, warehouse. Well, when he got over there, they would not agree to, to zone it for him commercial. They said, I'm sorry, we're just not going to do it. So he came to me and he said, he said, Preacher, listen, I noticed that you have some commercial property right beside my building. You have a parcel that's 50 by 175 feet. I will trade you that parcel 50 by 175 feet. I'll trade it for the house I just purchased for $103,000. I said, let me think about it. I'll even pray. Yes. We've been praying for space. Begging God to help us. 
Immediately we moved our offices into that building and we freed up some space for some classes. God met a need one more time. Again, supernaturally interceding. Didn't pay a dime for it. Again, at this time, we're in need of some dirt over our property. And we're in need of a, some more space again. And of course, he's building a building. So I said, if you'll go ahead and give us all the dirt, we'll let you build that on that property there. We'll do that. And so 275 loads of dirt later, the property looks like a million bucks. It all went over to our property. God had that all worked out too. God again continued to bless the ministry. We're running out of space one more time. And when the Bedrooms Today building was being expanded and uh, Mr. Lydell had talked to me about it, I told him, I said, I said listen, bud, you, you, you got you to... Gotta, I said, you build this thing good because one day we'll own it. And he laughed at me just like you did. He said, listen, he goes... Yeah, that, that's, I understand. I said, no, I'm serious. Make sure it's built right because one day we'll own it. He said, well, obviously I'm not building a building so that you can have it. But I'll tell you what, if I do ever decide to get rid of it, you'll have first crack at it. Just a few short years later, Mr. Lydell decided to retire. He wasn't planning on it, but he did. He came to my office and he said, Preacher, I was just wondering, are you still interested in the building? I said, yeah. He said, I remember what you said. Hey, listen, God knew and I did. God's funny like that. God puts something on your heart. It's amazing how God will answer prayer long before it's ever answered. Lord's good like that. Three years later, we're out of room again. Oh, I know we could go down there. We've got a few things we could do down there, but find a parking space. Especially this Easter. Good luck. We're going to clear everybody out of here. All of you, we're going to ask a lot of you to come and teach to park up there again so we've got room in our parking lot for visitors. Hey, listen, we're landlocked. We've got four acres of ground. Where do we go? We start praying, God, we're going to need you to give us some leadership and some direction. We've got to know, is this where we need to stay? Do we just spend millions of dollars either renovating our properties and ultimately expanding our, our facilities and, and doing the excavation necessary to get that job done and still be landlocked? What do you want us to do? I'd heard that the Carousel Dinner Theater had uh, gone out of business. And I was out door knocking or making soul winning visits and I, I thought on the way home I'm going to stop there and check. Just look around. I drove into the parking lot. I pulled beside the building. And there, as I sat beside the building, I knew this is it. Never saw the inside. Never talked to a person. But I knew that was it. You say, well, now, let's see, that's your will. Okay. In 1994, when we were starting the ministry out, I began praying, asking God to put us where he wanted us to be. The first day, once I started praying to start a church, I said, Lord, because uh, my pastor kept saying, you know, what's God wants you to do? What's God wants you to do? What's God? I said, I don't know. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Finally, the Lord told me to start a church. He said, where are you going to start that church? I said, I don't know. I'm praying about it. Well, if God told you to start a church, why don't you just go out and start one? I said, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I waited. And God, one night before I went to a fellowship meeting where a bunch of pastors get together, God put that place 
Uniontown, Hartville, in my heart. There wasn't a Baptist church out there. Well, I found out later there was, but it was Calvinistic, so they weren't out witnessing or sharing Christ or anything. I went to that fellowship meeting and found out there was churches. There had been three Baptist churches started out there. They all failed. And somebody said, no, you might want to go somewhere else. I said, man, I really feel like that's the area, though. I started looking for buildings. The first place I called was the senior center. The lady says, there's only one room here. I said, well, all right, thanks. I left there and started looking other places. I said, Lord, I thought for sure it would be out in that area, and I don't find any other buildings available. And, and so I started looking in Mogador, and I started looking in other areas around this area. I went home one day, and I was talking to Cher. I said, man, I can't find nothing. There's nothing available. Nothing's opening up. I said, I could have swore it would be out there, but obviously that's, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't understand the Lord properly. She said, what about that senior center? I said, well, I already called there. There's only one room. It'll never work for us. She said, well, can't hurt to look. It's only up the street, you know. I said, that's okay. I went to the senior center. As soon as I opened the door, the first step I took in the door, I went, this is it. I knew. And it was right in the area that God believed God wanted us anyway. It was, it was like, boom. You say, I, I've never had that happen to me. Too bad. <laughs> it's awesome, man. It's awesome. It's great when God just says something to you and you know, and it ain't like it's in your heart. Listen, I, last, I mean, we were, we were having nurseries underneath a pool table. Little kids were crawling, hitting their heads and stuff. It only had, they, she told me it had one room, but really there was a, a wide opening and you went back and there was a pool table back there. And that wide opening, we never put a, anything but a curtain there. Can you imagine having a nursery with a curtain and then there's the church? Amazing. God worked it out. It just, I knew. Boy, I want to tell you something. God did it. And you know what? God did this. And God did that. It's prayer. It's God's people begging God to do something supernatural. People have said to me, I don't know, I think that's a foolish endeavor. Buying a building in this economy. Churches aren't doing as well as they used to do and giving's down. Well, our giving isn't really down. It's never been up. Ain't nothing to lose. But listen to me. What are we going to do? Nothing? I mean, look at the place today from the position I'm standing. We're not even packed out today. We've had more people in this auditorium on a regular basis than even today. But let me tell you, it looks pretty good from here. We need God to do something. There's thousands of people dying and going to hell today. Somebody's got to do something. Honestly, we're not going to be able to get it done unless he does it. We paid $700,000, $710,000 for that building down there. We paid seven hundred and seventy dollars for the carousel. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You say, but it's going to cost so much more to heat it. Well, we're in negotiations right now with the oil well because... The gentleman who owned it put an oil well on it. Well, they're about ready to put an oil, put something into the building so we can tape off that oil well. Even if we choose not to go that direction for certain reasons, they're willing to give us a check. We've got to do a lot of research and find out what God wants us to do with all that. But either way, God's taking care of all those things. 
Oh, we couldn't in our own wisdom come to conclusions and we had some questions from time to time and we counted the cost the best we could and we took every step and took every measure to make sure we wouldn't be leaving ourselves out on a limb. Absolutely, we did those things. But when it's all said and done, we got to believe that God's in it. God did something miraculous. It's amazing what God's doing. we got to get in it, behind it. I'm glad I'm a member of Community Baptist Temple today. You say, well, you're, just, you're the pastor. Of course you are. Everybody here is that's already a member. You're just as equal a member as I am. Listen, your contribution is just as important as mine. Although it may be different, it is just as important and just as necessary and needful to the work of God. I want to encourage you today to realize that God's good and that He answers prayer. I don't know what it is in your life that this is going on. Whether fear has gripped your heart. Maybe it's fear of the, of the future. Maybe it's fear of your finances. Maybe it's fear of your physical body maybe right now. You're concerned about what's going on. Man, God is there to incline His ear to listen to you. He wants to answer your prayer today. He still answers prayer. Amen. Community Baptist Temple has no future without God's answered prayers. You know what the truth is? Neither do we. We've got to have God. He's got to work in our lives. Everything is about lifting Him up, exalting Him. The next time you ask for something, ask yourself this question. How does that put the attention on God? Lord, I need a new car. Okay, what do you plan on doing with that new car? If it's to drive you back and forth to the bar, do you really think God should be obligated to answer it? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. You know? God, give me my health so I can go out and exercise my lust of the flesh. I'm just, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I'm wondering why we ask for what we ask for. I had a van that God had given us. He given us. Didn't pay a dime for it. Not a church van. I'm talking about a personal van. My wife came to me one day and said, Preacher? <laughs> okay, so she said, Mark. Okay, so anyway. I said, Preacher? I mean, Mark. <laughs> I said, I just feel horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm cooped up in this house all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm here all the time. I feel like I want to have a ministry here in this area. I mean, I can't get out and do, and, and I'm not, you know, in a place where I can witness and talk to people all the time. I'm taking care of the kids, raising up a home, taking care of things here. I want a ministry. I feel like God wants me to reach out to the community, somehow touch the lives of these children around here. Now, let me just tell you something. Before it was over with, she was running that van back and forth to church two times, sometimes three times, picking up children in a personal van, personal gas, personal wear and tear. No, 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 we weren't offsetting anything by the church. That was God's ministry for my wife. We run six buses and one van, two vans right now. It all started because there was a, something put on a heart of a woman that said, I'll use my personal vehicle that you gave me, God. You gave me that. I'm using it for your glory. And when it broke down, I can guarantee you, we begged God for another one. And guess what God did? I'm just telling you, when you start begging God for things that are going to lift Him up and exalt Him and put attention on Him, you'll be amazed what God will do with it. You start asking God for finances and money, and you're going to give some back, you're going to give it to God, 
You'd be amazed what God will do for you. I'm not saying all of it. I've known businessmen at times that have said, if you'll increase my business by this percentage, I'll give you this much of the percentage. If you'll give me 20%, I'll give you 10 of the 20. I've known men that have done those things. God's blessed their, their businesses. See, sometimes we limit God. Listen, I, I want God to get the glory for everything. And when He does do it, I'm going to make sure I tell everybody He did it. It's all God. Community Baptist Temple. It's all about Him. If you have any questions, look around you sometime. Just look around you. You can't explain what you see. You can't explain it. You look at our budget. You see how many people we take care of and how little money we operate on. You can't explain that. You cannot explain it. And I mean that. We have a new staff member just came on. He says, I know churches that are 250 to 300 people that have almost as much offering as you have a week. And we've got 500. Listen to me. God's doing something miraculous. Get in on it. Get in on that thing. And then let God do something miraculous in your life and your family. And if you don't know for sure that Christ is your Savior, before you leave, get it settled. He died on Calvary 2,000 years ago to pay for your sin. There's no reason in the world why you should spend one moment in that place called hell. Oh, He made that for the devil and his angels. He never intended that you spend a moment there. He wants you to live forever with Him. And all you need to do is acknowledge the fact that He alone can forgive you, save you, and wash you and make you clean. That only He can give you that reservation in heaven and that eternal hope and help. Listen, give Him the glory and accept Him as your Savior. Receive Him as your Lord and He'll forgive you and take you with Him one day. You'll get heaven too. You'll be forgiven and you'll be His child. Father, help us today. We need You. And Lord, as we close this prayer... As we move forward in our service, and we need to move quickly, Lord, we're asking you to work fast, to really get a hold of hearts, help them to make decisions quickly for you now. Lord, we're asking, Lord, that if there's someone that's lost here without Christ, that they would see a need to be saved. Lord, you are real today. You're alive today. And you do answer prayer today. Father, I don't care what anyone says. You're alive today and well. Father, may you bless now your people. And if there be one that's lost, may they come to you and ask for your forgiveness and receive you as Lord and Savior. And then, Father, for the believer, may we, Father, make up our minds to start praying like we ought to pray to really turn things over to you and to pray according to your will and truly want you to be magnified and glorified in everything. And, Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.